Welcome to the World Architecture Festival podcast. This series features recordings from the live festival and WAF's virtual events. Hear from architects and commentators discussing the latest innovations and challenges within the industry. Subscribe to always receive the latest episodes and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at World ArcFest. He served as chief architect of uh, Barcelona, which World Architecture Festival, uh, Barcelona was our location for our first four years. The city made a profound effect on all of us. Recently, um, Vicente has been looking at the design, not just of buildings, but of urban environments, uh, partly uh, in response to our current problem uh, with pandemics, uh, but also in relation to uh, general health and well-being. And he's explored the relationship between built form uh, and the possibilities of, for example, uh, food growing um, as part of a, a new proposition for 21st century living environments. Vicente, welcome. Uh, Paul, uh, thank you very much for your introduction. Yeah, I remember very well uh, when World Architecture Forum was in Barcelona for several years, and you make also a profound impact in, in our city, uh, and also with all these uh, events and uh, festivals that you are uh, organizing. So I hope next year we'll be able to meet physically, but this year at least we are talking here virtually. So. Should, uh, should I start uh, with my presentation? Yes, please. Okay, so today what I would like is to talk about uh, several initiatives that we are de developing. Uh, I will end uh, talking and presenting this competition that we won in, uh, in, uh, in China that in fact was developed during the lockdown, the early part of the lo lockdown. Um, and it includes many ideas that are connected with the, with the, with the crisis uh, of the, for, uh, the people fighting for their life, but also fi fighting for the climate. I would like to make an, a small introduction because, in fact, I started to work in China many years ago. In fact, well, these projects are in Taiwan. Uh, I won a competition. I think it was my first international competition, the year 2003, and we were able to develop this uh, urban design in the waterfront of the Kilung, that is the harbor of, um, of, uh, of uh, Taipei. And then we're trying always to look for the, uh, I would say, a very broader international architecture, but trying to connect with the natural elements that were around. And uh, I think that we, we had a fantastic time traveling to Taiwan and, uh, and doing these kind of projects. Um, after that, I became chief architect of Barcelona and for several years I, I was traveling to China more in an official basis. But uh, since five years ago, I, 
I am back to my practice and also recently we won competition in Shenzhen for the new CBD in uh, Shanmihu, uh, where we also learned the interest of, of uh, in China about uh, how to develop a dense uh, urban planning development, but at the same time, an ecological integration with, uh, with architecture and with the city. No? Uh, so we were able to develop these high density and mixed use uh, projects, but also including this kind of architecture that was looking into ecology uh, and at some point uh, monu monumentalizing it. Um, in Xuang, uh, Xuang is a new district that is in the south of Beijing. And in fact, we heard about Xiang several years ago, three years ago, because they launched a competition to do a master plan and then the result was uh, these, these master plan where, uh, in fact, they broke with the traditional, uh, let's say, modernist urban planning where there is a segregation of functions and they develop a master planning that could be done in any, I would say, European city except for the amount of water and green that somehow is inside the, the city itself. Also, we, we learned about what uh, President Xi was saying, Chairman Xi was saying. He said, we want to build an eco-civilization. And you know, the president of Spain never say anything like that, or the president of America, or the European, uh, uh, European uh, Union uh, president. So that means that the the, the What's happened in China is that sometimes there are strong statements coming from the top and it takes a bit long to arrive down to the reality and affecting to everyone. But for me, these words were very inspiring and also the fact that Xi'an was a city that was directly supported by uh, Chairman Xi and he was presenting in the year 2017. In fact, uh, the Europe say by 2050, uh, we want to be a zero emissions continent. And then in China, in an address that the president did only like uh, three weeks ago, he said that uh, China want to be a zero emissions uh, uh, country by 2060. And this has very strong and deep implication because obviously um, the question is not only to look about how to grow the economy, but which kind of economy they should be growing. Uh, well, I wrote that book in the year 2012, first in Spanish, then it was translated to English, and then it was translated to Chinese. And in that book, I was starting to discuss uh, the idea that we should reinvent what means urbanity, what means to make cities. And I propose that we should change the paradigm of what we do and how we live and coming back to the origins, uh, we, I was thinking that the, the model for the future of cities should be we should produce more locally while we are connected globally. So we should uh, finish with this kind of a globalization that uh, we, we push in the 90s in many Western countries where we thought, oh, we want to be good on designing, but someone else will be making things for us. And then the idea was to 
use to 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 reinvent what means making things and using digital technologies i thought we should start to produce food energy and things in our cities and in fact this very basic image that in fact describe our ancestors doing essential things that is to uh, eat in order to get energy for them to produce uh, fire to heat them and also to cook and also to make tools uh, to be able to hunt and to be able to make many things. So our idea at that moment, and in fact it was published when I was chief architect of Barcelona, was we should be able to produce locally things. Uh, cities should be able to produce almost everything that they consume. For sure, they need to produce 100% of the energy using renewable energies. We should as, uh, at least to produce 50% of our products and produce also our food in the city and in the territory. We'll be able to do that if we are connected globally and we share information, if we share uh, knowledge, and then the model of that future city should be more like a network. So this could be the model for one person or for one city. So also we present our pro proposal to candidacy to become, uh, to run the city with diagrams like this. No? Today we import energy. Uh, what we should do is to do a retrofitting of our buildings and start to produce energy locally. We should take our buildings and then put greenhouses on top uh, with solar panels, produce food and also to have a biomass lab, to have a fab lab and also to be able to store energy in our electrical cars. And if we do this in one block, we'll be able to do for the whole city. So this is the idea of the self-sufficient blocks and the self-sufficient city. Another idea that we are developing uh, is the idea of moving from the centralized industrial model, that is this one in the left, to the distributed model that is in the right. So we should move more from a system like uh, Moscow, Paris, Beijing, that are super centralized radial city to a model that is a distributed city organized by urban units that should be like 500 meters radius. So that means 10 minutes walk. And then in that unit, we should have almost all the facilities, housing, but also working places for, for the people. So this is the diagram, for example, of the markets in Barcelona that shows how the distribution of uh, selling food around the markets creates some, uh, let's say, distributed forms of urbanity. These are the list of all the public facilities, schools, sport halls, libraries. So the idea of the distributed city has been a mantra for us for several years. And uh, in fact, right now in Paris, they call this idea, they call, they name 15-minute city. That is also a brand or a name that we're also using in, in Seoul some years ago. So that means that this idea of making cities where you can live, work and, and rest and play in, in a short distance is an important uh, concept. Another topic uh, that we developed in other project in, in China was the idea of the mixed use block. Because you know that they do housing in China only looking north-south. They never do housing looking east-west, like in many other places around the world. And, uh, and also in these new blocks, we were 
discussing how to do mixed-use blocks instead to be isolated blocks doing more rectangular blocks like in, like in Europe. But also thinking on the scale of the block, the scale of the neighborhood, and the scale of the district. So I would say these were drawings that we were doing before our project in Shoan. Because China today is still like that. Many cities are developed like that with this, uh, I would say, socialist, but in fact, this is what the Siam and Le Corbusier uh, developed and Hilbert Seimer developed in the 1920s. And we could call this the industrial city, a city that in fact import goods and produce emissions and produce trash. No, we import containers and we generate tons of trash, mountains of trash. And then uh, what we were thinking is that we should develop uh, the idea of the bio cities. And we were developing a project in Africa, which show right now, where instead to emit CO2, we should absorb CO2. We should make cities like forests, cities that are able to promote life, to promote biodiversity, cities that at some, part, at some point, cities become part of the history of the nature instead to grow against the nature. So, yeah, we had the opportunity two years ago to develop this project, the Forest City in Gabon, where uh, it was the first time that we had the opportunity to work in Africa in one country that is one of the, uh, let's say, the key uh, countries in the, around the Ecuador uh, that is, uh, let's say, absorbing most of the pollution that many countries, many other countries are doing. We're working with some partners like the European Forest Institute and some others where they were describing the idea of the circular bioeconomy. But we wanted to apply this to our, to a city, how to make a city in a forest. So, you know, in, uh, in, this, in the left, you see the grid of New York, and in the right, you see the grid that is created using linear fractal systems by the, by the, by the rivers. This is the river, one river in Gabon. So instead to develop the grid approach, that you know that in Barcelona, we are quite good on that. Cerda was developing that grid in the middle of 19th century. We, were, we wanted to develop the idea of the linear city that instead to grow with the same depth in, the, in a linear way, we could grow by some kind of clusters of halves uh, that here are represented by these square neighborhoods along some main roads. So somehow in this diagram, you see a principle of how to make a city that can grow, but the part of the rules is that every neighborhood should be, able, should be in contact with the forest and with the nature, and we should never break the continuity of the, of the nature itself. So this proposal was a multi-scalar proposal. Obviously, our idea was to make all the buildings with with wood, and this is one of the neighborhoods that we were developing. Um, so the idea is to have a multi-scalar system where we have a small uh, neighborhood, uh, sorry, a, a kind of block, a neighborhood, a bigger neighborhood, and even a district that could grow at the scale of a city. And here we call the left community, the twig community, or the branch community and could grow to a bigger structure. So imagine 
And this is one of the big challenge. You know, in the next 30 years, if we follow the numbers of the United Nations, we need to build the equivalent of a city of 5 million people every month in the next 30 years. Because in theory, there will be 2 billion people that will go to, the city, to, to be urbanized. This means that we can destroy definitely the planet or if we find the right solution that obviously is not the industrial city, we'll be able to transform and to make cities that are part of the natural history. Our idea here is that uh, the foundational building will not a church. You know, if you imagine how the cities in the west of America were created, there were there was a linear city always because there was a road. They make a church, they make a salon, they make a small hotel and some houses. So our idea here is, if we need to start a city, we need to do a kind of uh, uh, factory, a kind of green factory, because the mission of this factory will be to let the city build itself. So our idea is if we are surrounded by forest, uh, we should be able to manage the forest, obviously following sustainable principle. We should be also to develop, uh, yeah, to produce wood. With the wood, we can produce uh, material for the construction and with these materials, we can make the city itself. So it's a city that is building itself. And this was our proposal for Gabon. Uh, right now, we are working to develop a prototype for this African cities that can learn from this experience and can uh, develop it in a broader sense. We call this the living economy because uh, if the mission of a city is to produce what it needs to live, then uh, what we need to do is to promote life. We need to do not the first sector, explore the resources, uh, the second sector to develop industrial products or the third sector, that is to make services or design. We need to do everything at the same time with many kinds of products. And this is something that obviously we are working on. Now we move uh, to today's reality. You know, the pandemics and then uh, this kind of, uh, the hospital that we saw, millions of people uh, dying in the world. But we need to remember, as always, that part of the future is in our past. We need to learn from the past in order to invent the future. Those interested in the future are always interested of the, in the past because somehow I would say that we are kind of time managers. We are dealing with the past of the future at the same time. And then this was exactly what was happening 100 years ago. And another important thing that happened 100 years ago is that Bauhaus was in, created in 1999, exactly in a moment when architecture needs to be reinvented. All the culture was invented after the First World War, but also the, after the so-called Spanish flu. No buildings that had open terraces, more light, and so on. No? So in our project in Xuan, we had our, the opportunity to rethink how this new generation after pandemics uh, could be developed. And then we are thinking in this multi-scalar approach that instead to design buildings, we should design a multi-scalar living environment, starting from your home, your building, your block, your neighborhood, 
and obviously to be able to have an, an, an impact in the, the whole city. The competition was for four blocks around, uh, around uh, 10,000 apartments, and this is what, what we did. In our proposal, what we did was to mix the European block, the Chinese modernist, uh, uh, let's say, isolated blocks, and also greenhouses. We wanted to produce food, and I, as you will see in my presentation, we are also discussing about having this walkable city, and again, we are thinking and that in the future there will be this kind of systems of mobility. In fact, we have already these kind of systems of mobility, and what is very funny is that this was also invented 100 years ago. You know, this is a picture of Barcelona with some uh, technologies that somehow were abandoned, and right now we are back. This, they were electrical as the ones that we are using right now. And if we see uh, today's cities after pandemics where people are walking because they want to keep social distancing and they are doing teleworking and so on, this is exactly, these walking cities is exactly how they were the cities 100 years ago, where people was mostly walking and using public transportation. There were few horses and also few cars in uh, cities. Uh, so in our proposal, this is the courier in China. There are not many couriers, like the ones you can find in Barcelona, in Paris, in London, or even in Vienna. Uh, but we were proposing to do this, and also we were proposing uh, to bring the work, uh, working uh, areas to our homes, and also to some uh, co-working or co-factoring, that this is the new generation of working places. So obviously now we have been talking so many years about teleworking and now this is a reality. Uh, also teleeducation is absolutely a reality and also the idea of the co-working that we already knew uh, will allow also to have some working places, not at home, but after the pandemia we could have this working situation around the place where we live. There is also this, uh, yeah, the idea of introducing metabolic systems in our buildings, and we, we, we are following and we are exploding. Uh, I mean, we are using the principles of what we call the, the anatomy of the city that we developed when we were working in the city council, and then there will be some technologies that I will not explain, but in China they are, they don't use anymore the the, the, the coins or anything, everything is electronic and there has been developed apps for the pandemics control and so many things. Uh, and we'll use to share knowledge and to share resources in the people in the neighborhood. Also, we are interested about, as I say, the, the trash management in this scale. And uh, something really very important is the idea of the boot construction. About this, I would like to make a, a, a short explanation because the idea of this circular bioeconomy is well represented with the idea of having a, a good forest management in order to extract or to get wood and other materials and to use for constructions. You know, I was the founder with other people in 20 years ago, right now, the Institute for Advanced Architecture of Catalonia. Right now, we have in Barcelona, 150 students uh, with more from more than 50 countries. So it's a miracle that even this year 
so many uh, people from several countries come to Barcelona and they are studying with us. We were pioneers. We, we coined this, uh, this uh, idea of the advanced architecture. And uh, we wrote the, the, the Dictionary of Advanced Architecture published by Actar. And also, this is the, uh, the space of our, of, of our, uh, yeah, our uh, school where we have robots. And uh, the idea was following the Bauhaus principles of learning by doing, having the students having the experience of inventing the future with their own hands. So I wanted to have always a kind of factory because I wanted to be able to make buildings inside our, uh, with our students. And this was our first solar house. This was a wooden house. This is the file for cutting this parametric house that was produced and presented in Madrid uh, with this wrong shape, but all of it produced with flat uh, pieces, you know. We, we produce all the interior, and it was the first self-sufficient house made with wood in, in Barcelona. This was a second pavilion that we produced where the cars were directly charging from the solar panels in the, in the facade. And then the interesting thing is, starting in 2010, we Yak decided to buy a property, you see, in the forest near Barcelona, called, in a place called Baidaura. Uh, and then in this uh, 19th century, farmhouse, we decided to create a laboratory and to launch a master. This new master is called Master in Advanced uh, Ecological Buildings and Biocities. And then here, during the pandemic, uh, I mean, all this year, we had the students in the lockdown here, you know. And while we were doing the competition in China, we were also running educational program and our students were living here. So. This is the overall idea about having an holistic vision about the material management of the whole property. This is the labs that we created. This is called the Vaidaura Labs. And these are the students working in the lab uh, during the pandemic because they were a family. That means that they were not protected with masks because the students are also living there. And then our challenge was to design and build a house. In fact, we did this last year and then we, the, the first year of the master, we were able to design this tiny house that is a self-sufficient uh, unplug house disconnected from the network. And we were using mostly the skin and part of the structure using local wood. This is the first tiny house we did. But for during this year, what we did was to close completely the circle. And you see, uh, with our students, we were cutting trees we were uh, marking the trees in order to have a, a full traceability of, these, uh, uh, of the materia. And then we were producing uh, the, the wood uh, with our students. We were also the, using full traceability of every piece of wood from every, uh, every uh, tree. And then we had a press to produce our own CLT and then uh, the result is that while we were imagining that in China they should be building these bu buildings with wood, in fact, we were, uh, we were building a small prototype with our students of what we call the quarantine cabin. So we were doing a cabin just for quarantine process where you see we introduced software for traceability that we were developing ourselves and the result of this construction so this picture is from 
early August uh, was this building that the outside is made with burned wood, but all the interior is done using these CLT panels. You see that even with some students that have a forest around and some press and working together using some robots, we are able to do uh, some kind of constructions like that. So obviously this today is a very big trend and this is something is under development in the world. And then our idea is that we should have CLT plants. You know, in China, they are not still using wood. And now that we want a competition, we are discussing with the government how they could start to work uh, with this kind of construction. You know, when I was in Barcelona, I supported this kind of project using timber. And by the way, was the last year winner of the sport building uh, in, in, in the World Architecture Festival. I was really very proud. I'm very happy that uh, my friends won that. And we are developing several projects in Barcelona. So in, in, uh, in Shambihu, we are doing this building where we are, um, yeah, where, where you see the plan with these public facilities, with the swimming pool, and uh, yeah, this idea of the building with the, with the terraces, you see offices on top, and the idea of having greenhouse on top of the building where we can produce energy and we can produce food. Sorry, I am running a bit because I heard I have 40 minutes, but it, it seems it will be a bit shorter. So I need still maybe two minutes to finish my speech, if you don't mind. And uh, so, yeah, the idea was, and we were analyzing before, how to produce food in cities. And then these are six different approaches of how to make food in cities. And I discovered we really could do this anywhere in the world when I was in Iceland last year. So this is a huge greenhouse in Iceland where they produce 10 per, uh, sorry, 30 percent of all tomatoes that they need for the whole island for 100,000 people in only one hectare. So if in Iceland they can produce tomato, that this is what we are good in Spain or Italy to produce uh, with this kind of climate, that means that we can produce tomato in Moscow, in Beijing, or anywhere in the world. This is New York with uh, uh, Brooklyn Ranch, and these are some different samples. So our project, uh, what we include was to have a greenhouse that should be on top of every building, because with this greenhouse, we, we could use the 45 degrees slope of the, of the roof to produce energy with some separation between the panels in order to get some light also coming from the south. And then we could produce tomatoes and we could mix also some with some LED farming. Obviously, the management of this can be done directly by the citizen that they own it, by a cooperative uh, where the people are running and some, they pay a bit to someone to produce the food or they could rent these facilities to someone else. But imagine another crisis like the Chernobyl where there was a food crisis because of the contamination of the food. So to be able to resist even in moments of crisis of food will be interesting also for the future. And obviously there could be another oil crisis like in the 70s. So here we're fighting and we're proposing buildings that can produce energy food and some other objects because of potential crisis in the future and also to create some safety for the life of the people in the future. 
Another topic we were interested, this is the market in the ground floor. We're interested about the energy. These are some samples that we did in Barcelona and this is in Brooklyn. Uh, but we could imagine some other samples. Uh, yeah, with the solar panels are really integrated in our building and are part of the overall image of the building. And the third thing we were interested in is the idea of making things. You know, this is a big 3D printer that can print a chair or a table only with one shot. And our idea is that we should have fab labs or centers of fabrication near the place where we live. During the beginning of the crisis, there was a problem. Spanish government was not able to buy masks. And then the makers start to, ma to make masks and many other things, we were helping hospitals in Barcelona because our government was not able to help and also our industry was not ready to producing because in the 90s we decided that everything should be done in poor countries or in emerging countries like China and so on. So our idea is that we'll have these uh, laboratories of fabrication in the ground floor of our buildings where people will be able also to access to produce things. Last thing is we also pro propose big terraces. Uh, in China, in general, they don't have these big terraces, and we, we propose to have big terraces because we learned during the lockdown that to have flexible spaces where we can work, we can meet, we can play, kids can even run and play, this is fundamental. And then the right to have sand, to have uh, uh, in these terraces, all of them were oriented to south, uh, will help also to have a better life in uh, in uh, in the future, in a future crisis and so on. There were also some small villas in some parts of the buildings, on top of, of uh, the buildings. And also we were developing a comprehensive, there were student residents and other formats. And this is a comprehensive economical study about what is the value of making energy, food and things near the home that you live. So. That's all. Uh, I think that the future is very exciting. Crisis, if we see what happened 100 years ago or even 50 years ago after the crisis of the 70s with the oil, were a great moment for rethinking cities and rethinking architecture. And we would like to play a role in, in this redefinition of what we, are, what we are doing. Now we are negotiating with the government uh, uh, to develop this building because in China they they are they are not still building with wood and and developing this holistic vision but we hope that we'll be able to develop there and maybe in some other places around the world. Thank you very much. Vicente, thank you very much. This is a, a wonderful presentation. I want to ask you whether the sorts of new development you're thinking about um, heavily mixed use um incorporating food production and energy production what is the best unit of organization to make this happen is it the neighborhood is it the city or is it national government yeah from my point of view uh you know if i tell you new delhi or i tell you los angeles you know, we don't know what this is. It's so huge that it doesn't have a kind of uh, a kind of physical meaning, no? Uh, but if I tell you Soho in New York or Chelsea or Gracia in Barcelona, this is something we know exactly what we are talking about. 
So our proposal is to organize cities with these units that the best one is the neighborhood. These neighborhoods are uh, around one kilometer by one kilometer, uh, around between 15,000 to 25,000 people. And these are the right units to, for example, this is the right units to have a market in Barcelona or to have a high school and a school and so on. So obviously in the cities, you will have universities or you will have the Camp Nou or you will have the beach. So there are big infrastructures, big stations that will be only or two by city. But the real life, the real thing that people need to live, that is food, energy and things, and also obviously meeting with other people, the real life is happening in the uh, uh, neighborhood level. I think we need to break this idea of working here and living here and working here and spending one hour every day uh, going to work. This is the old industrialized urban model. And that's why we propose to develop the digital reindustrialization of cities in order to dissolve the production of things that we need in order to live and even to, to, the, to dissolve the production of goods in the, in the neighborhoods of the cities. So if we took New York as the example, instead of the organization of the boroughs and then the New York Authority, what you're saying is that actually it should be the neighborhoods like Soho or Chelsea and then the city almost kind of take out that middle layer uh, of, of organization and logistics and either be pretty small or citywide. Yeah, I, I completely agree, because if you think on the concept of the last mile, no? the delivery of the last mile, this is what uh, the last mile was a topic used for the telecom companies, because they have also a center for telephone in the last mile. And now we are using the last mile concept for Amazon distribution of goods. We are discussing uh, that we should have a la unified last mile distribution of things. So I would say that these real cities happening in this last mile and the next scale obviously district or boroughs are okay but they don't have a meaning the real meaning is there uh, this idea of the neighborhood where real life is happening and then obviously we have the cities and the metro the, the so-called metro regions so yeah i completely believe you know this is the uh, we, we had this idea of having many slow cities in one intelligent city this is the, to mix the slow and the good life of going to buy bread that was done in the corner in the bakery in the corner and at the same time to be in the center of new york no what a better life you can expect i think that's a very nice note uh, on which to draw to a conclusion um, a very rich presentation a lot of history to think about especially those examples of what was happening in Barcelona a hundred years ago, which now look as though they were predictions um, rather, than, <laughs> rather than history. Um, and we look forward to your continuing uh, work in China and Africa. Uh, and as a conclusion, I would say that this sort of thinking probably couldn't have come out of any city other than Barcelona itself. Vicente Guella, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you, Paul, and congratulations for your festival. Thank you.